Digital Marketing Radio, episode 209. Digital Marketing in the Healthcare Industry. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Broadcasting live on the Digital Marketing Radio Facebook page, this is the weekly show that prizes actionable advice from today's top digital marketers. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Hello, I'm David Bain and today I'm joined by someone who for nearly two decades has helped lead cutting-edge sales and marketing strategies in the healthcare industry. She's the Senior VP and General Manager of Marketing and Communications at Influence Health. Welcome to DMR, Kira Hagen. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. I'm excited about it. And you can find Kira over at InfluenceHealth.com. So, Kira, is digital marketing in the healthcare industry very different to digital marketing in other industries? It's been more different uh, until recently. I would say that the the gap or the lag in the adoption of digital in healthcare is closing pretty quickly, but there are certainly some complexities to healthcare in terms of the ability to leverage consumer data for personalization, for example, that uh, you know the industry, of course, wants to afford protections to consumers of how their health information is used that certainly limit um, what people can do in terms of strategy and you know, the aggressive ways that they can do targeting. And then, of course, there are a number of overhead concerns around how data is collected and data is stored that add complexity to things like, um, you know, collecting what we call personal health information or PHI via a web form. So a very common transaction in healthcare digital marketing, sort of the sale is an online appointment request. But in the context of healthcare, that personally identifiable information is protected by a number of healthcare laws. And so horizontal MarTech solutions that aren't built with that privacy and security in mind can't always be leveraged you know, which adds some complexity. And then I'd say the final thing that really creates difference is what I just outlined, which is the, you know, the goal of the campaign and the amount of time that might lapse from when somebody first responds to a digital campaign and when the sale actually occurs, right? So people are not dropping uh, a joint replacement or an open heart surgery into a shopping cart and paying for it with a credit card mm. at the end of the transaction. <laughs> um, you know, and for some of the, um, the profitable services for health systems that they're really focused on marketing, things like bariatric procedures, for example, uh, those can have a really long sales cycle, sometimes as long as 12 months. You know, somebody needs to respond. They need to be medically qualified, financially qualified. They go through a psychological exam. And so it can be a really long time before the procedure even occurs. And then we have to wait for insurance payment on the back end. So measuring the effectiveness of marketing in terms of ROI and revenue contribution requires, you know, really following people through over a much longer time span. And it requires the integration of offline transaction um, data as well. So those are some of the things that make a difference. Okay, yeah. Um, lots of things there, and I'm sure you could carry on uh, listing even further things by the sound of it. But um, obviously, we're talking a little bit about uh, marketing in the healthcare industry from a USA perspective as, as well. And funnily enough, we're recording this on the 4th of May 2017. And of course, there's just been a vote, um, I, I, I think, uh, that's, that's happened in the in the States there. Is, is, is that going to impact... Um, the way that um, marketing is done in the healthcare industry, do you think? 
Um, I think that regardless of what ultimately happens with, um, you know, the Affordable Care Act and what what the nuances of the changes are that are made, ultimately we're on a certain trajectory of change that um, has been a long time coming. That that the changes to how we market will not be profound. Mm. Um, we've already been in a transition from sort of what we we call in the states fee-for-service-based reimbursement for healthcare, where the sicker you are and the more often you come back, I'm paid for every transaction and it's actually pretty profitable for me um, as a provider for you not to get well, to these value-based payment systems that are more focused on wellness, prevention, the longitudinal care of a person over a lifetime. And, you know, given what we're spending on healthcare in the United States and the, you know, the unfortunate lack of quality that comes with it in comparison to other nations, you know, fundamental reform of kind of how we pay for and consume healthcare is inevitable in whatever form it takes. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting just to understand how a different country does things and there's no perfect way of doing things. The NHS in the UK where I'm from is struggling by the sound of it to actually deal with the, the volume and I guess the different type of procedures and operations and drugs that uh, it could offer um, and it obviously only has a limited budget as well so there's challenges in this country with regards to should you draw a line for healthcare and then after that line expect patients to pay private for that as well and that, that that's obviously there's obviously marketing positions in, in private healthcare um, providers here as, as, as well as probably the NHS as well. And uh, it's um, perhaps going down that um, route is uh, just opening up a whole can of worms. <laughs> but uh, with regards to, I guess, digital marketing and healthcare in the USA, uh, I think you seem to indicate that um, it was a little bit behind other industries. Is, is that fair? It, that is absolutely fair. And, you know, I think... Um, as you mentioned at the top of the the podcast, I've been at healthcare IT marketing and working in this space for almost 20 years now. And for a long time, we've been looking at a preponderance of data from people like Deloitte and the Pew um, Internet Group and others that have shown this really pent up demand by healthcare consumers to to want to engage digitally with their healthcare providers, right? They want in the convenience that has been introduced in banking and retail and hospitality when they're managing their most valuable asset, which is their health. So things like the ability to schedule an appointment, to get an email confirmation, to get a text reminder. These are conveniences that we take for granted um, in every other aspect of our lives. And they've been really slow to come to healthcare. Now, some of those reasons are the things that I've already outlined, like the, the ability to protect the platforms and the technologies that have been widely adopted don't necessarily cover in terms of security what healthcare um, you know, requires. But another part of it, frankly, is cultural and the way healthcare has been paid for, as we've touched on. For a long time, um, despite consumer demand, at the end of the day, um, healthcare was primarily paid for by an insurance company. And where people consume services was dictated by their family physicians. So for the most part, you know, healthcare is one of the only things that we we in the United States would consume kind of an unlimited quantity and expect somebody else to pay for it and maybe never even see a bill. <laughs> and so if our provider directed us to a place, we assumed that our physician had our best interest at heart and, and we would go and have the care there. It, 
the, the advent of social connection has kind of fundamentally changed people's access to empirical data. Mm. And so they under, consumers now understand more about quality and disparity in care quality among different facilities. Um, but they care a lot about the experience. They care about the convenience. They care about whether they feel valued and respected. They come in with information prepared to ask questions about potentially diagnosing themselves, um, you know, maybe having preconceived ideas around what the appropriate treatment would be or what path they want to go down. And they're really looking for providers that will engage both, you know, during the appointment and afterward, kind of in a conversation around that. And that that is really changing uh, the role of marketers in healthcare to not just be focused on that patient acquisition, but to continue those conversations throughout the person's healthcare journey through through treatment, through recovery, um, and ultimately kind of building that brand loyalty that translates to that positive review online. Mm. And that's a different dynamic for healthcare. And there's a lot of cultural resistance with physicians. Um, who, you know, who um, can't believe that patients who don't understand necessarily how busy they are, how educated they are, how important they are, would dare to go online and criticize them. And so, um, you know, we're just seeing things heat up really quickly and, and provider organizations are sort of struggling to close that gap, but they're under-tooled, they're under-teamed, and uh, frankly, their, their marketing budgets are not too small. But they're they still look like old school marketing budgets. Um, they're you know primarily in print, billboards, radio, TV. Um, these sort of I, I call them ego based uh, marketing tactics, and that's what I deal with with a lot with my customers. They ask me to come in and and help them build the business case for digital because they get so much resistance at the C suite level from people who are really attached. To that, you know, driving to work and seeing that billboard on the highway. So, so and who, I don't want to let that go. So, who's actually stopping marketers from doing a better job? Is it physicians, like you pointed out? Is it surgeons who just don't understand the value, or is it more upper management in big organizations? Yeah, it's been really all of it. It's been, um, you know, I'll throw out a statistic for you. It, in, as of 2015, only 26% of the health systems in the country had an active you know, participation in a social media platform. In fact, for the most part, uh, at that point, two years ago, my customers were barred from getting on Facebook at work, right? They, they, this was, and so at every level, there's been a, a resistance to accepting that people are really shopping and comparing for healthcare, that they want to, that they're just as likely, and, and this is what the data actually tells us, people are just as likely to switch providers for a better experience as they are to switch hotels. Um, that's difficult for physician-led organizations to understand. So from C-suite and physician resist, you know, physician practices, there is a lot of resistance. And now even um, in my more progressive organizations where marketing is being pushed to create a better digital capacity, a better digital consumer footprint, there's still a hesitancy to let go of the old things until we know it works. Mm. And so the budgetary constraints are you know, very real. So what are the best ways for a marketer to actually persuade a top executive or a physician that they need to be doing something on social media or something to do with reviews? 
Well, what what's happening is as the market heats up, if you will, um, you know, hospitals have long looked at the hospital across town as the competition. And now competition is coming in from other places. It's coming in from retail clinics inside of Walgreens or Walmart where consumers can walk in and see a doctor, you know, for relatively affordable price within 30 minutes. Um, that kind of competition heating up, them beginning to see leakage or attrition in their volume has certainly um, you know, raised a few eyebrows in terms of thinking about competing on a different dynamic. But they continue to look at peer organizations. And so with each organization that sort of makes that leap, the other organizations in a metro area around them under competitive pressure begin to do the same thing. So that certainly helps. But what I try to work with and what Influence Health tries to work with our customers to do is to really ground their strategy in in-market research. Um, they need to get out and they need to understand what consumers in their market value and what they're really saying about the experience that they have with a health system. And when we do the, those types of interviews and focus groups, that alone is usually enough to build a pretty compelling business case for the executives. Um, you know, I work with a very large health system in um, you know, the Southwest United States that is viewed when you do branding research, they're, they're number one from brand perception with prospects, people who haven't been to their health system in the market. And they deliver more care than any other health system in their area. But with each subsequent appointment that a, a patient has, which would be what we coin a customer, right? The, the brand satisfaction drops. So the more they interact with the health system, the less happy they become. And part of it is because that experience drops off post-acquisition. There are no digital tools that continue through the process of getting my lab results, of scheduling a follow-up appointment, asking a doctor a question. And so, um, you know, there, there's just a lot on their plates and a lot of opportunity for improvement from everything from engagement, activation, acquisition, and loyalty. Okay, well, it certainly sounds like even more traditional marketing values that are the most important areas to be focusing on in that particular industry still at the moment. So yes. probably making existing customers happy as opposed to driving more new customers to the business. No, we actually do uh, the majority of our work with with clients who are focused on growth goals. Okay. Uh, a lot of times that's around for there is a tremendous amount of construction that goes on in health system. Um, that a lot of competition has been based off centers of excellence, building a woman's hospital or a children's hospital. And those facilities have beds and beds to fill. And so driving demand, um, you know, and really leveraging that capacity is a big part of what we do. Also with this sort of change that I've talked about in the way healthcare is paid for, there are a number of services that health systems and providers render today that are not profitable, where they're actually losing money. And in, for example, a faith-based health organization that truly has a mission to serve the community, they're you know, serving an indigent population a lot of times at a loss. They're writing off a lot of care for un- or underinsured people. And the way that they're balancing those margins is by promoting more profitable procedures and trying to, to boost their volume on things like I talked about, like bariatrics procedures, knee replacements, um, ortho or spine procedures that tend to, to pay more from commercial payers. And so we actually do a lot of paid advertising, a lot of, a lot of Facebook and a lot of Google paid advertising to drive volume. Right. Okay. And what kind of calls to action do you have there? Do you drive people towards your own website and 
tell them about what you do and just have your own contact details there? Or do you actually have some kind of content marketing campaign on your site as well to build a list of people maybe? Yeah, no, we really have an agency and a managed services capacity with Influence Health. So we're working with health systems to execute everything on their owned media assets, um, you know, leveraging their technologies. And we really come in to help with content strategy and even creative um, and work on those calls to action. And it really depends on the medium. You mm. know, Facebook obviously is a is a highly social platform. And so things like creating video of patient stories, talking about success, that's marketing gold. Um, but we've had a lot of health systems have tremendous amount of success, kind of killing two birds with one stone, furthering their mission to create healthier communities around things like um, you know, cardiac disease risk, heart risk, and also, um, you know, selling more heart procedures by using health risk assessments in Facebook. So promoting, you know, um, campaigns that promote what is your risk of heart disease. These are quick quizzes they can take online. There's actually a technology that sorts out and parses the result behind them and provides real time some, some good content around what the level of risk is. And if it's high, you know, kind of directing that person to an in-person screening or potentially a same or next day appointment. Superb. And um, one phrase that you mentioned um, before we went live was the age of healthcare consumerism. So yeah. what do you mean by that? Well, it's, it's all of these market drivers that I've talked about. It's people's access to information, their ability to Google and understand potentially what their condition is, what their treatment options may be, their ability to connect with other consumers. You know, people now go to Facebook and say, hey, I'm having knee pain. Does anybody have a suggestion for me on who, who to see? Um, likewise, as, as payments are shifting and more and more healthcare is being paid for out of pocket by consumers, they have a vested in, interest in getting access to tools that estimate what their out of pocket costs may be. So we don't want to go have the, the test and then get sticker shock when we have a, a $300 or a $3,000 deductible after the fact. We want to know, we want transparency around those costs up front. It's compare, using things like Yelp reviews um, to actually compare physician sa patient satisfaction with one physician versus the other and making decisions based off of experience. So people are now shopping for and making decisions about healthcare the same way they do all other commodities. Great. Okay. And I, I reckon things like uh, rich snippets and search results, direct answers, and perhaps uh, even smart devices like um, Alexa as well, people are going to be using them more to actually ask them questions and expect them to deliver them content. And the, the content will be, what do I do with this um, sore knee? What, what, what does that mean? And if, if you can appear for that kind of content, then I reckon that's probably going to drive more business. Is, is, that, is that something that you're also thinking of as well? It is. And you, but at this stage, that would be, you know, that would be a phase tour. If we built a multi-year roadmap for a health system around improving their digital capability and consumer experience, that would probably go out into the parking lot for the distant future because we're, we're still struggling to help our, we're working to help our organizations um, overcome struggles like just claiming and cleansing their local directory listings okay. and uh, understanding how to optimize for local search. Yeah. You know, they may have 10 different locations, um, 3,000 physicians who move practices on a regular basis and, you know, 90% of their listing data is inac inaccurate across the search ecosystem. Um, you know, they're not monitoring their online reputation and they mm. don't understand how that's impacting their, their placement in the local pack. So, yeah. you know, we're still blocking and tackling. 
yeah, get the, the basics right first as well. Yeah. Well, okay, well, in a moment, we're going to be moving to the second part of our conversation where I'll be asking um, Kira about the software that uh, she couldn't live without. But first of all, have you purchased a copy of my Digital Marketing 2017 book, dear listener? So it's 107 digital marketers, one book, all sharing their number one actionable tip for the year and written by me. So check out the reviews of that and grab your copy over at digitalmarketingin2017.com. But let's segue to the second part of our discussion, so that um, focuses on Kira's thoughts on where the digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So, starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, Kira, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? At this point, it's our marketing automation platform. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of work to really, as, a, as I mentioned, healthcare is a laggard industry when it comes to adopting digital and people kick a lot of tires and ponder the possibilities sometimes for years before they take action. And so we're really dependent on automation to continue these conversations uh, with our clients. And then, of course, we're, we're really highly dependent on it for analytics as well so that we better understand. Um, you know, so so, so if a client was to ask you, you know, which marketing automation software suite should I use, what, what um, platform would you recommend? I would talk to them a lot about what their, their web content management system is and what their CRM is because the integration between those three pieces of technology is, I think, the holy grail mm. to really getting full value out of it. And so, you know, I think I, I would have... And I often do make a recommendation based on the other products that are in play. You know, ultimately, our belief at Influence Health is that single platforms are, are going to win the day just because managing the complexity of data integration between all of these systems and all the vendor contracts and relationships is taking a lot of time away from thinking about consumers and content and other things we could be doing. Um, you know, but in this state where we're all dealing with best of breed, I think you have to look at, at what's in play and make the right decision based on your mix. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I can understand that um, things depend on the CRM and the, the software that they've got in place, and it's difficult to give a one solution fits all type answer to that. But I'm going to try and get a, a precise answer out of you in this one here, and that's a slightly more challenging question. And that is what oh. piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Well, at Influence Health, in mar marketing our business, we are about to embark on some account-based marketing. So we're going to look at, at shifting our paid advertising mix a little bit and leveraging some IP-based technology to name some, some hospital and health system organizations that we believe um, you know, really align with those customers. They look a lot like the customers we've been most successful in helping and uh, get pretty gr aggressive about making sure that they know who we are and what we can do for them. Okay. Um, uh, what would be the name of a piece of software like that? Well, boy, you're gonna you're gonna really hurt me with the um, vendor negotiation, but we're looking at on demand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I like it, it, sorry. it's wonderful to have recommendations, and um, I mean, it's not necessarily you saying that you're going to go with them, but um, right. It's 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 great to know what people are considering and just have heard of, perhaps as well. But uh, yeah. let's move on from there to. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. So, what didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? 
I don't really think that I appreciated um, the nuance uh, of, of what people were looking for in terms of digital content versus what they got from uh, a salesperson versus a brochure. I think we we took our brochures and converted them into a digital medium and it didn't play well there, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it was really about understanding you know, storytelling in the digital medium. And I mean, we've come so far, it's it's hard to think back that far, really. Um, but I, I just don't think that we we did the proper work to understand buyer persona and buyer journey and really customize content for the digital medium. Mm. I'm sure you've still seen loads of websites out there, not just in the healthcare industry, that are still brochure orientated just saying this is what we do and not thinking about the the, the consumer this that's absolutely true and that that's a huge problem in healthcare mm. um you know there again there's a lot of organizational bias towards talking about the awards we've won the the credentials that we have the medical school we went to look at us look at us look at us and it really is, you know, turns consumers off. And so when we get involved and get ready to launch a digital campaign, a lot of times for, for speed, the organization wants us to leverage copy from their website so they don't have to run it back through compliance to get approval. And, you know, we just know it's not going to perform. So that's a battle we fight a lot at launch. Modern marketers almost need to be great psychologists now as well and, and understand things from another person's perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on to... The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions, just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion, so use it wisely. I don't think at all, so it'll be fine. Good, good. <laughs> okay. Twitter or Snapchat? Twitter. Facebook or LinkedIn? No, I only... Facebook. YouTube or Facebook Live? YouTube. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Website or app? Website. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Outreach or advertise? Outreach. Email to one or email to many? Email to one. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. Yay! I don't think there was a both in there at all. That you, uh, you, you started off slowly, but uh, got a full head of steam going there. I and you picked up some speed. Absolutely, yes. Um, I think it was Facebook or LinkedIn you probably struggled with the most. Is that, is that because you personally use LinkedIn, but Facebook's more effective for business? Um, it's actually the reverse. You know, LinkedIn is really effective for us at Influence Health, but Facebook it works phenomenally for my clients. Um, you know, Facebook it is kind of a twofer. With our customers who have limited budgets, we, Facebook is a premier mobile marketing strategy for them as well, right? When you look at the fact that one in every five minutes spent on a mobile device is spent in the Facebook app, mm. um, you, you can't get that kind of reach for the dollars that we spend for our clients there. And so... Uh, that was a tough one. Was I going to be selfish or think of my customers? The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business or maybe a client's business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? If I had, um, 
if I had $10,000 to gift my customers, I'd ask them to go do what I just talked about. I'd ask them to do that in-market research, develop their personas, and understand the journey, digital journey that they it's provide today. Um, and, you know, that's going to lay out their digital roadmap for them. It's, it's just invaluable in terms of with so many things to do, so many options on the table, and so little done in healthcare. The only way to, to ground ourselves in the right priority is to do it based off of what can, you know consumers want most. Apparently, it's four o'clock. Do you have a an electric clock behind you there? Did I hear that? Yeah. that was... <laughs> Apparently, my laptop decided to tell. Oh, me okay, that. that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> That's good. Uh, it's always uh, good to uh, hear what's going on on other people's computers. <laughs> but we're nearly there, and that's uh, just finish off with my number one takeaway. So, Kerry, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation. But what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listener needs to take away and implement in their business? Yeah, I, I think they have to understand that the way that consumers make decisions about healthcare has changed in some pretty profound ways and changed permanently. And it's undeniable. And organizations have got to have a plan. And that plan is going to require multiple stakeholders in an organization to come together. It's bigger than marketing. You need your clinical team involved. You need your security team involved. Um, you know, you need IT support for some of these technologies you need to evaluate and implement. And so it would be to build a cross-functional team in health systems that's focused on one thing, and that's the quality of digital consumer experience you provide. And then, you know, to get started, it would be by grounding it in, in what consumers in your market tell you they want to do. Great stuff. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do? Um, they can certainly find me on LinkedIn. But again, uh, I've also got a bio. I've got a lot of blog posts and content out at influencehealth.com. And we've just published a new white paper about 10 days ago, consumer experience, healthcare consumer experience in 2017. It walks through a lot of the things I talked to, to uh, about today in terms of getting grounded in a strategy and bringing people together. Um, we're really proud of it because I think it's going to be transformative for a lot of health systems. And therefore, I think it's going to save a lot of lives um, for consumers who are pretty frustrated with the health system. So I'd encourage people to download it and give it a read. Wonderful. Well, if you send me the link to that afterwards, I'll make sure I include that in the show notes along with everything else we've discussed over at digitalmarketingradio.com. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Lovely. Okay. Well, uh, thanks to Kira and thank you, dear listener, too. So if you have an opinion of what Kira shared today, tell us what you think. So the Facebook page is facebook.com slash digitalmarketingradio. You can tweet me at David Bain. Plus, uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. So you can do that at digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes for iPhones or digitalmarketingradio.com slash Android for Android devices. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios.